It's Nonprofit Conversations, brought to you by Rogue Tulips Consulting, with your host, Cecilia Sub. It's Monday, November 28th, 2022. Welcome to episode 174 with Lassetti Lassetetti. It's Monday, November 28th. That means it's time for another episode of Nonprofit Conversations. I'm your host, Cecilia Sepp. I'm a certified association executive, and I'm the principal and founder of Rogue Tulips Consulting. I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving holiday if you're in the U.S., but if you're not in the U.S., good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be, and thanks for joining us this week. We're very excited to have one of our favorite guests, Lissetti Lissetetti, here, and we are going to talk about improving board oversight through best practices. But first, I want to ask Lissetti to say hello to our audience and introduce herself. So over to you, Lissetti. Thank you so much, uh, Cecilia. Let me also send my warm greetings to our audience. I'm excited you have invited me again. I always enjoy my conversation with you. Thank you. Oh, and you are welcome. And thank you for coming back because uh, we always have a good time talking before and after and during the episode, as uh, we realized when we were prepping for this one, we just start talking about all kinds of stuff <laughs> before we got on air here. So, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Lissetti, could you tell the audience where you are, uh, like where, where you work and then where you're located? Yes, uh, Cecilia, I'm the Deputy Vice-Chancellor for our university here, which is called Botswana Open University in Botswana. Uh, I supervise the non-academic affairs of the university, maybe to be precise, like financial services, human resources, procurement, office services, admin and infrastructure, IT, corporate relations and marketing, business development, all those things that are non-academic. And I'm part of the executive management of the university as the deputy vice chancellor corporate services. My gosh, well, I bet you have a very full schedule. That is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were at the University of Botswana, University of Botswana. I'm sorry, I know I'm messing Botswana up. Open University. Botswana yeah. Open University. Thank you. I always think of you at University of Botswana. So that's my American. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just it's never fun. realized your job was so broad. That's that's incredible. And I'm sure you're great at it. Uh, so I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, I think, you know, a lot of that would fall to as you probably remember, I do a lot of education and study groups and coaching for people getting ready for our certified association executive exam. And a lot of the things you do fall into the domain we call operations. Yes. Uh, so I think that uh, that's a, a really <laughs> yes. Well, and a lot of it's also executive leadership, which is another one of our domains that we study. And executive leadership uh, leads us back to our topic mm-hmm. of improving board oversight through best practices. <laughs> so when we look at that, Lissetti, what 
So when we think about board oversight, that's board leadership, board development, mm -hmm. their decision-making mm -hmm. processes, all the things mm -hmm. our boards do. So mm -hmm. what do you think's the first thing people should consider with board oversight if you want to improve your board's performance or mm -hmm. something that they need to keep in mind? Mm. You already mentioned some of those attributes because I want to say to you, Cecilia, that the first thing, if you want to be that effective as a board to do that good oversight, you need to align to a particular corporate governance code. Here in Africa, we have the a king corporate governance code. He has done king one, king two, king three. Right now there is a king four. And the things we just mentioned now that are within the dashboard of that king four, things like leadership and organizational ethics, uh, committees, responsible corporate citizenship, evaluation and performance roles and responsibility, delegation of responsibilities to management, remuneration, governance, risk management, strategy and performance, all those things, including even institutional investment, uh, IT and communication. Those are the things that would quickly come to your mind if you want to be that effective uh, a board. So I like those things in King because they somehow provide direction and it's similar with other corporate governance uh, uh, codes, because all they're saying is that the board should steer and set strategic direction. It needs to ensure accountability. It needs to approve policies and planning, as well as oversees and monitors. So for the outcome, it should consider its practices. It should consider the principles. It should also have an ethical culture good performance, effective control, and even legitimacy. I mean, if you speak all those things, you will not go wrong. I mean, you need to first know what is good, what is not good uh, for good governance. So by doing that, uh, I get to round it up before maybe I hear what you say from your side. You have to look at a board dynamic. You have to look at a continual improvement. You need to look at strategy, policy, oversight, disclosure, transparency. All those things are critical things that one should look at uh, for effective board oversight. That is such a great overview of this mm -hmm. whole area that we all should be aware of. And, and we talk about these things, but I, I think that is probably the most succinct summary I've heard of what we need to consider <laughs> for our boards, what we need to train them for and teach them. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that brings me to another question for you. So do you train your board of directors? Do you, do you teach them all these things? Probably I didn't mention from the beginning, much as I'm doing this other service, which is for my everyday job, mm -hmm. uh, I've also been participating in the nonprofit entities, professional bodies, whereby particularly that of internal auditors, that is where we speak uh, corporate governance and other topics. Mm -hmm. And learning a lot from there, I've been trying to pass this and share uh, to other people I interact with, including, as you are saying, sometimes doing inductions for boards of certain entities, or sometimes doing um, orientation, or even coming with a particular topic that they would wish, and we have an in-house. 
So I sometimes do that, but not as my everyday job. Oh, oh, right. That's right. Because you do a lot of volunteer work as well as a board member. Yes. But I, I really think it's important in your position as a board member for us to model that behavior for each other. And when you were summarizing all the different areas that boards need to be aware of, you reminded me of the connections between so many things, because one of the things that I do with my friend Cheryl Bronk is we teach an ethics course for uh, association executives. And mm-hmm. when you were speaking, I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, she's hitting on all these things <laughs> about like good behavior, bad behavior, <laughs> the behavior we want to model. And so much of that underpins everything we do mm. uh, with our work, uh, whether it's our regular job or our volunteer job. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think that uh, if we started to connect the dots more often, I think we might not only see things more clearly, but have things run more smoothly. Mm-hmm. So I think, but what do you think now from your, you have a very uh, high level position at the university with a lot of responsibility and accountability and you, and you also are on uh, boards as a board member. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest area or maybe not the biggest area, but what is an area where you think maybe boards make a lot of mistakes unwittingly? And what I mean by that is like, are there areas that maybe boards don't realize they're going in the wrong direction? Do you, do you see a trend in that? Like, have you seen one thing that- I, I, I hear you very well. And before I answer that, uh, Cecilia, maybe allow me because you touched a bit on the ethical part of the board. Mm-hmm. I wanted to confirm to you that even the Kimfo uh, code that I spoke to, it says a lot about um, the ethical behavior of the board because it's principle one, because it has principles, quite a number, I think like 17 or so, but principle one, the first one, speaks to the ethics because it says the board should uh, serve ethically and effectively. And that they say individually as a member and even collectively, we need to cultivate certain characteristics like integrity, competency, responsibility, accountability, fairness, and transparency. So I just wanted to emphasize on that maybe before we speak about the that question that we are asking from the negative side or things that can go wrong and i wanted you if you allow me also to say a couple of things for body effectiveness that we will speak to later after i answer what you asked like the board structure is something important to look onto the board strategy and plans one other thing the people's dynamics is one thing that i would wish if you allow that we delve onto such issues, including communication, the due process and the overall governance, even things like body evaluation, because that is what will inform you of your performance and effectiveness if you are doing what is right. So later on, we uh, we could quickly go through all these things if time allows us. But to talk to your question, where you are asking what is the thing that normally makes things not work. I think it's more onto the people's dynamics, particularly to do with role clarity. Because if um, roles are not explained well and understood by all in the same way, either the board will micromanage 
uh, management, of which management might not really take kindly because the board, most of them are non-executive directors. They're not coming every day to do operations at work. So imagine if you have a board member that then comes over and is like uh, they're part of the executive. In, in a similar manner, management, particularly the CEO, might be a dominant one who would want the board to rubber stamp everything that they take to the board. And if the board says otherwise, they might not take kindly and it causes conflict. I've seen mostly where things are not working well is where it affects people and, and, and people dynamics. If I may answer that question, uh, Cecilia. Thank you. Yes. No, I well, I I think that's a great insight, actually. Be, mm -hmm. and, and I agree with you. I think most problems on board start with interrelationships mm. and how we're working together, mm -hmm. how we're talking to each other, uh, how how the the chief staff executive might be talking to the board. Do they mm -hmm. have relationships? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people talk about nonprofit management as the relationship industry. And that's really what it's all about. So I, I think you hit it on the head as we hit the nail on the head, as we say <laughs> in the Midwest and mm -hmm. the United States, that mm -hmm. I, I think that's where all the problems start. I think a board can can uh, be trained and educated if, they, if they're willing to learn and they're willing to work together and get along with each other. Uh, because I think a lot of people <laughs> overlook the fact you can get along and not actually like each other. <laughs> so that's, you don't have to like people. One. That's a good one, Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get along and you don't have to like each other. True. <laughs> so, yes, you know, uh, you just don't have to argue. Uh, mm -hmm. and just be polite. Uh, it's like yes. people don't realize etiquette is not here to make us uncomfortable. It's here to make mm -hmm. us all more comfortable because you know. we don't know how to act toward each other. And and again, mm -hmm. being polite to someone doesn't mean you like them. And you like them. <laughs> I agree with you. Although some people might not want to say that. That is why me, where I am sitting, I always rush to indicate to people that it's about office. It's not about an individual or a person. So even if you dislike someone, as you are saying, remember, you have to work with them as a team. So you don't have a choice. We need to learn to work with that particular uh, person or character. That is when there will be spirit of togetherness. And when you spoke about, I mean, in reference to the board effectiveness, you spoke about people can be educated and all that, but not do what is right. I want to agree with you because that talks to the first point that I said we should talk to of the board structure. I mean, the board structure will talk to the composition. You would have people with diverse skills with, uh, different knowledges and experiences and coming from different sectors, depending on uh, your organization's mandate and business. So such people then need to work together because collectively uh, they need to sum up and provide the needed skills to lead the organization. So if then, they lack the soft skills that you mentioned, Cecilia, it will not work because they need to interact. They need to follow particular boardroom etiquette where 
really you need to also recognize other people are experts on their own right and respect their ideas. All ideas are good. Sometimes it's more about putting ways onto what is brought through. If you do that, then you will have the best ever effective board because it's, it will consider everyone and your board should be diverse, diversity in the form of age, in the form of gender, or even where maybe you have different races, mm -hmm. uh, you should accommodate such and be inclusive and many other things and look at various people, maybe academics, uh, at the same time, people from the industry uh, who, who come with the practical you know, experience. So you need to look into all those dynamics. And as part of the structure also, you need to have subcommittees, uh, committees like the Human Resource Committee, the Audit or Risk Committee, or Finance Committee, Remuneration Committee. All these committees will help you form that structure. So it answers one of the things I wanted us to touch on, Cecilia, which is the structure. So maybe let me hear from your end, and then maybe we could talk about the strategy and planning because it's quite critical also for board effectiveness and board oversight. Yes, I would let you. I, I yeah, I would definitely want to touch on all of those points. I'm not sure which one to talk, talk about first. <laughs> so, but yeah. I, I, I really again your overview of board structure and what we need and why we need it and that has to be inclusive and respect the diversity of the group. And this may mean you have to build a more diverse group on your board for your board structure, mm -hmm. because the structure is not necessarily the committees, because as we all know, committees come and go, uh, as much as sometimes it may feel like they stay forever, <laughs> but sometimes committees, yes. are, True. committees are reformed or, or renamed. But, but seriously, it starts with people. Everything starts with the people. So mm -hmm. looking at the board structure from that perspective and respecting and honoring the knowledge and experience is key mm -hmm. before you start funneling people into a committee, whatever mm -hmm. kind of committee or work for a uh, working group, excuse me, working group or task force. So then uh, we definitely need to talk about strategy. So what are, yes. your, what are your thoughts on board strategy? My, my thoughts in that area and space is that the board itself should have a purpose and it should define its purpose to provide its uh, strategic direction and its oversight. And obviously for, for it to do that, it should align to the organizational strategy itself. So it should internalize um, the vision of the organization, the mission of the organization, its goals and objectives. Even it should learn about its projects, uh, its initiatives. And if it does that, it enables them to come with their own strategy, if one might say. Because first as a board, it should look at the long term. And after having such a strategy of oversight and providing that strategic direction, it can then break it down into maybe annual plans. Even the board should have an annual plan. And not only the board, even its subcommittees need plans at committee levels. And these plans must feed onto the main one for the board. And that will enable that maybe quarterly, the board introspect and assesses if it is getting there. And if management are acting on things they need to do, remember the strategies for the board, but implementation is done by management. 
So for the board to oversee that its strategy is being implemented, it needs to come with plans as well, and it should understand uh, its purpose. So I wanted us to talk about that because some people don't think or, or really take it that the board should also have plans. And they think maybe they should just oversee what management is doing without them formally coming with their own plans, dashboard, even doing their own uh, risks that can inhibit them to do what they're there for. So I just wanted to touch on that, uh, Cecilia. I don't know what you think about that. Planning for the board, the board is having plans, its subcommittees having plans, the board also aligning uh, its strategic vision to that of the organization and overseeing and owning up onto the strategy of the organization. You know, if that would all fit on a t-shirt, <laughs> I would definitely <laughs> put it on there because again, you have hit it. What we are also trying to do in the United States, and we are continuing to get that message out, you know, board sets direction and strategy, staff implements. So all the points you made about committees need mission statements, they need plans, all those plans need to be part of the overall plan, because committees don't work as a silo. Mm -hmm. They work mm -hmm. as part of a larger whole. And so they might do the work, quote unquote, of the board of directors, but they're still part of that overall plan. And so they cannot do whatever they want. They have to stay within their committee charter or mission. And that work has to have a plan and be part of the overall plan. I totally agree with that. And like I said, if we could fit all that on a t-shirt, <laughs> I would put on there and send a t-shirt to everybody. But I do hope a lot of volunteer board members listen to this podcast conversation and take that to heart that they have that responsibility of being part of mm -hmm. the plan and mm -hmm. knowing what your role is you talked earlier about yes. knowing your role and the responsibilities mm -hmm. that go with that role and committees have a role too that needs to be clearly mm -hmm. defined for them and uh, I agree I agree with that wholeheartedly and, oh. and the board can't wait for the staff to make a plan, the board has the board actually makes the strategic plan, and the staff makes what you might call the implementation plan or the business plan that makes that come to life. Very, very true, Cecilia. You have said it very well. And one other thing that I think also is critical for the board oversight and its effectiveness is to look into the group's dynamics, the people's issues. I know earlier on, we touched on the uh, people's uh, issues, but not in too much detail. I mean, as people, we are different, isn't it? Some are very dominant. And if these are not managed very well, they may be the dominant voices in the boardroom. So that is where now the people's issues come in. What kind of chair uh, is there? And are they making everyone contribute? Are they understanding each of their member? Because some might be silent, but not that they don't have good ideas. So they need a chair who makes everyone participate to also bring their ideas, uh, put them forward for them to be considered. And others are aggressive. Others even lack that etiquette. Mm -hmm. uh, others need to be managed when it comes to things like time management, because you would need to do your business 
well on set times and you wouldn't want someone to disrupt the business of the board because of their own character or behavior. So I just wanted to indicate that uh, people's dynamics or group uh, um, consideration is very important because you need spirit of togetherness. You need a team, not just a group. You need people who are able to complement each other and have come with hybrid output and outcomes. That is my take when I speak about people. I don't know from your side, Cecilia, what you would say when it comes to people's dynamics. Well, I, I, again, I agree with you and I think we're like scripting this beforehand and we're not, we're actually just sharing. But I think what this shows, uh, Lissetti, is that people like us who are serious about what we do understand these things and, and the importance of having these structures, having the education that you need. But I think closing on the group dynamics point is a good place. Uh, that's a good one to round out this conversation for today, because you are so right. There are usually a few dominant people in a group, and then there, you have a few people who never speak. So how do you get those people to speak? And how do you get the other people to listen? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it, it's sort of like if I, I tend to go to the extrovert, ambivert, introvert model because mm -hmm. you know again three three seems to be the magic number but it's also kind of easy to understand for most of us because we think extroverts they're talking all the time they're energetic <laughs> they're dominating then you have the introverts who just sit and quietly listen and they don't really talk much and then you have the ambiverts who are a mix of both but how do you get the extrovert to listen and the introvert to speak and I think that that is uh, really crucial for a good board to have a chair who does that. Now, how can you do that if the chair is a dominant person? Do, how do you teach them, I think, is the next question. Maybe that should be our next conversation. <laughs> have you come back and talk about how do we get people to let people listen? But I think that's where leadership development training is yes. really important for all of us. And working on active listening skills, it's a thing... I am very sensitive to that because I tend to pause when I'm speaking and so many people will just jump in and start talking because I've paused or they talk over me when I'm talking, <laughs> I have a soft voice. People just start speaking over me and it's very difficult because I, sure I could do that too, but I don't because it's not a good thing to do. It's not good practice mm -hmm. and you actually learn more from listening than talking. So, yeah. I think, true. but mm -hmm. I think, you know, the group dynamics is always interesting because when you're dealing with volunteers, they're there because they choose to be for whatever their reason might be. So you may need to find out what that reason is, because then you can kind of manage those relationships better. I'm here to just put something good on my resume, or I'm here because I'm really passionate about the organization. <laughs> I met a and, you know. So you get kind of like that emotional part of it too. And, mm -hmm. and I always tell people, have a conversation with somebody. If somebody's angry about something, ask them why. And I think we don't do that. I think a lot of times boards, they break up into these little groups and they, they kind mm -hmm. of talk to each other, mm -hmm. and they, but they're not talking mm -hmm. to the whole group. And without having that leader pulling the group together, mm -hmm. that's where mm -hmm. boards struggle. I think you, you need to have a chair who's willing to pull people together. Mm -hmm actually lead them 
And they do that with the help of a chief staff executive or the organization mm -hmm. CEO, whatever their title might be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the important thing because whether we're working with a, our department team at work or we're working with a committee at the association where we volunteer mm -hmm. or we're actually on the board of an organization of any kind, I think that's really uh, the thing we have to address is how are mm -hmm. we getting along with each other? You know, it, it's very well said. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> very, very well said. <laughs> I am building on what you shared. Was that? That's a good combination. So, well, we have really, uh, this has been just such a great conversation. I love having you on, need to have you on more often. So got to look toward next year for that. Uh, but as you know, because you have been on before as a guest, uh, we always like to ask our guests, what is the one thing you would like the audience to take away from this conversation today? Yes. And then if they wanted to get in touch with you, what is the best way to get in touch? Very, very critical, particularly for the current topic of uh, board effectiveness or oversight. As a take home, I want to say to my fellow practitioners that it is very, very important to do board evaluation. I don't know, maybe the other side of the world. Here, it's not many boards who evaluate themselves. You need to periodically assess your performance, look at gaps and come with uh, remedial actions such that there's improvement and you keep on improving and you keep on evaluating. It's not a once-off exercise. So that is my take home to fellow uh, colleagues to say, it's quite critical that as a board, you always introspect and evaluate your effectiveness. Where you can contact me, uh, you can contact me by my email, which is lmlisetedi at yahoo.com, lmlisetedi at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for this quality time, uh, Cecilia. Oh, thank you, Lissetti. And as always, it's been a great conversation. Uh, you bring so much knowledge mm -hmm. and expertise. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, I, I'm just so glad that I have the podcast because that's how we met. <laughs> so I'm just so glad we're connected now. So, yes. <laughs> so well, we, we have to go rogue for now. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next time with another exciting episode. Don't forget to subscribe uh, to our podcast so you can listen to it on multiple platforms. We're pretty much everywhere now. So find us wherever you are. And listen to us on the treadmill or while you're taking a walk or while you're doing some filing, you can turn us on in the background. If you want to know more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help your organization bloom outside the box, please check out our website at roguetulips.com. If you are a current CAE or a CAE candidate and you're looking for education or other study services, please check out our Rogue Tulips Education Program, the 501C League. It has its own website, the501cleague.net. On behalf of myself and Lissetti, thanks for joining <laughs> us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>